Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic, fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. We are in this series called On Your Mark. And we have been strolling through the book of Acts, and this has been an amazing journey. Heard so many good stories and, and testimonies out of this series. And uh, man, I'm thrilled to be able to help paint the picture of who God has intended us to be as a church. If you were here last week, didn't Pastor David Ray do an amazing job? Oh, man. These guys, I mean, we are blessed with some amazing preachers and teachers. And I tell them I got to run to Home Depot and get a bucket of paint because they're preaching the paint off the walls every time they step up. Acts chapter 2, I want to talk to you today about evangelism through community. Evangelism through community. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, especially this chapter, this chapter is a staple when it comes to who we are as a church. This is literally an event, an episode that birthed the New Testament church. And uh, so I'll talk more about that in just a moment, but let's start in verse 42. I want to read the last portion of this chapter. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says, All the believers devoted, somebody say devoted. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Everybody say shared. There's that word again. They sold their property and possessions and shared. Everybody say shared. And they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared, somebody say shared, four times, it's amazing this word shared shows up, and shared their meals with great joy. How many of you, when you eat a meal and you share it with a friend, it brings great joy? Good food with someone you love. Turn your neighbor and say, what we eating after church. Okay, now bring it back to the Bible. Bring it back to the Bible. Some of you got visions of T.J. Ribs, yeah, J. Alexander's, Chick-fil-A. Not today, y'all. Oh, <laughs> uh, where am I? I'm happy because we're talking about sharing meals. There we are. Sharing meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added, somebody say added, added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Now, if you know anything about this passage, and specifically this chapter, I want to lay a, a quick foundation and give you some context about Acts chapter 2. It's literally called the day of Pentecost. How many of you have heard that 
before. The day of Pentecost, a significant day in the life of the church. Jesus told his disciples when he was with them. After the resurrection, he appeared to his disciples and to four or 500 others, and he told them, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the promise. There's a promise that's coming to you. In fact, he told them, it's better for you that I leave. And I'm sure the disciples were confused because how in the world could it be better if Jesus is leaving? But Jesus knew something that they didn't know. Uh, Jesus with you is good, but Jesus in you is even better. Can I have a good amen? See, he says, it's better for you that I go away because when I leave, I'm going to give you another comforter. There's a power in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so on the day of Pentecost, 120 were gathered in a little upper room, and they were praying out of obedience, waiting on the promise. And you know the story as well as I do. The sound of a rushing mighty wind came through that room. That place began to shake. The Bible speaks of tongues of fire begin to dance upon their heads. And there, there was a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit, and they start speaking speaking in other languages foreign to them they didn't know but those in the community begin to hear and the work of God was confirmed by outsiders what is this what's going on and so there's a significant moment in the in the history of the church on the day of Pentecost Acts chapter 2 devotes most of its writings to that event but I want you to see the difference between an event and a process okay somewhere if you're taking notes I want you to write down the word event and then write down the word process, okay? I I events are important, but sometimes I think we overestimate the event and we underestimate the process. Sometimes we put a lot of focus on celebrating the event, but not the value of the process. Can I tell you, your wedding day is an event, but your marriage is a process. Come on, talk to me. And I know people who spend all their time planning for the event, but they don't give any thought to the process. Giving birth to a child is an event, but raising that child is a process. And all the parents said, yeah. graduating from high school is an event. And as much as we love that, how many of you know you can't graduate from high school until you go through the process of school day after day after day? Getting your dream job is an event, but going to work every day is the process. How many of you know we got to be committed to the process? We're not just chasing an event. We don't idolize an event. Now, we celebrate the event, but in order to sustain the power of that event, it takes a process. And the passage that I read, verses 42 to 47, it gives us the process. I think the process is so important. I wonder, as I read this even again this week, and I thought about the day of Pentecost and that, what happened in that upper room and 120 and speaking in tongues and Peter gets up and shares a message and 3,000 people get saved. I wonder if there were people in the church that day who said, let's try to get back to the day of Pentecost and recreate that. We, we, that was such a great day, great event. We got to go back to that day. But, but you know what God says is take the spirit and the power of that day and let it help you walk through your process. Are you with me? Community is the process that helps us to sustain the event. Now, now I have up here with me on this table, and I wanted to show you this illustration because this is kind of the, the picture that came to my mind. When we talk about community, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about spiritual connections. We're talking about family, 
And, and, and here's the idea. I think the, the, the picture that's painted for us in the latter half of Acts chapter 2, it shows us how community was strong in the local church, how it was vibrant, and how it was, there was something magnetic about that New Testament church that people wanted to be a part of. And so I begin to think about magnets. Now what I have up here, and I hope you get a good picture of this, I have, how many like to just experiment and play with things? This is a little science lab, okay? I'm going to be Sid the science kid for a few minutes. That's okay. And uh, I want to show you some things as it relates to magnets and magnetism. Okay, this is a big old heavy magnet. We got some little bitty magnets here. We got some bolts and things. It's amazing how there is a certain electronic field that, that's associated with this magnet. And you can kind of, ooh, you saw that? It's kind of like Star Wars, isn't it? I feel like Darth Vader. Whoa, looky there. Check that out. Check that out. Where you go? And see, the, there's something in this magnet that's pulling. Oh, check that out. Check that out. Hey. All right. Well, well, we got some bolts here. Oh, check, check, check that. I'm trying to get the bolts, but these magnets are starting to move. Use the force, Luke. As I draw this magnet, oh, check that out. As I draw the magnet over these bolts, there's something, there's a power inside of this magnet to pull other things toward it. And this was the picture that I got when I thought of the local church. What's the power of the church? Obviously, it's the Holy Spirit. But it's got to be the Holy Spirit through people like us. And there has to be something in us that will draw other people toward us. Things start to move and happen and come together. You know, I talk to people all the time who say, you know what, I, I, I had no intention of even being a, a, a part of church, but I was invited to church one day, and I came into these doors, and I felt something. And they don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it's not like they have, you know, religious language and vocabulary. Well, it was the anointing. You know, I mean... I felt something. I had people say to me all the time, the first six months I came to the church, every time I sat through worship, I just cried like a baby. What was that? That's the Spirit of God, like a magnet, irresistibly drawing people. You know, what we're reading about, what we're talking about in the book of Acts is there has to be something magnetic about the body of Christ that will draw a lost and dying world to it. There is life in this building. Can I have a good Amen. And it's not in bricks and sticks, but it's in people. And the life inside of us has something to say to the emptiness around us. Some of us work in places that people are broken, but the spirit of Jesus in us draws them to us. You know, sometimes the, the attracting factor of the church, it's not necessarily how good we preach or the songs that we sing, but maybe it's in a spirit of community that people say, I've got to have what you have. Does that make sense? You know, Rachel and I, we will have been married next week. We will have been married for 21 years. 21. And that girl, she's crazy about me. She can't keep her hands off me, man. And I told her, I said, babe, look, the first time we met, do you remember the first time we met? What was it about your hunk of hunk of burning love that just like a magnet, what was it that drew you to me? What was it my, my charming smile? Was it my massive biceps? Was it my athleticism? I mean, what was it? She said, your sense of humor. 
I'm just teasing. But, but I want you to see how the Spirit of God creates this thing called community. Everybody say community. And, and those that are on the outside, look, you can barely even pull it apart. Th- those who are far away from God, once the Spirit of God in us comes close to them, then, man, it, they sense that. There's something magnetic that pulls them. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. You see, my prayer is this, Lord, if they're looking for God and they can't find you, help them to find you in me. Does that make sense? So this thing called community is huge. That's why we talked to Isaac about Mozambique. It's amazing how in Mozambique, it's a different culture. It's a different context. They speak a different language. Um, They have a, a very different context than we do. But when you get to Mozambique, you feel that same spirit and that same chemistry of family. Why is that? Because in spite of all of our differences, the one thing that unites us is Jesus. And what unites us is greater than anything that could divide us. Can I have a better amen? You see, something was happening not just on the day of Pentecost. That was the event. But there was a process that began to take place within the local church. And I want to show you, I want to talk to you about the power of community, evangelism through community. So if you're taking notes, i got a few thoughts I want you to write down. The first one is this. And I want to pick this passage apart verse by verse. But number one, write down the word devotion. Everybody say devotion. I think healthy community requires devotion. Look at what it says in verse 42. The Bible says, all the believers devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. There was a commitment that was made. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer. They committed themselves to meet together. They committed themselves to sharing meals together. There was a decision that was made. Okay, Lord, if we're going to sustain this incredible event, the process of community will include devotion. Can I tell you this? The truth about you is, the truth about me is this. We need to be connected to God, but we also need to be connected to each other. And I think those connections are equally important. Devoted to God, devoted to one another. Uh, And I tell you this, it doesn't just happen. It requires effort on our part. If we're going to walk in community, it requires us to make some sacrifices, to make some decisions, and to pursue. Let me tell you what I've learned about community. Community is something you'll have to commit in order to get it. You'll have to fight in order to protect it, and you'll have to forgive in order to maintain it. Can I have a better amen? If we're going to be in relationship, if there's going to be something magnetic about the church that holds us together as spiritual family, we're going to have to commit to get it. It requires devotion. We're going to have to fight to protect it, and we're going to have to forgive in order to maintain it. Consider the Garden of Eden in the very beginning of time. God established family. What did he say? Community is so important. It's not good for man to be alone, but I'll make someone who will help him. I'll put two together in relationship. They had community. But what happened when the devil entered the garden? Through sin and through deception, community was broken. Now all of a sudden, Adam and Eve, they're hiding from God. They're actually hiding from each other. Remember, I mean, remember they put clothes on? 
Well, wait, who told you you were naked? The Bible says in their innocence they were naked and they were not ashamed. But when sin entered the picture, fellowship was broken, and then they began to hide. They actually began to blame. He blamed her. She blamed the snake. And all this thing that they shared that God had intended had become fragmented. Can I tell you this? The devil wants you to fight and to fall apart. You know what the devil's plan for you and your family is? He wants you fussing and fighting. He wants strife and division all up in your family. Let me ask you this. If the church is full of fussing and fighting and division and gossip and backbiting, let me ask you this question. Why would the world ever want to come to the church if when they get here, all they find is more of themselves? Mm. There's got to be something. You know what kills magnetism? Disunity, strife, anger, animosity. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they devoted themselves. They committed not only to God but to one another. You know, I recently read a story of an old farmer, had a farm, intended it for years, had an old mule on that farm. Well, one day that old mule fell into a well. The well hadn't been used in years. But the, the mule is down in the bottom of that well, and he's thrashing around, and the farmer hears it, and he assesses the situation and makes a decision that neither the mule nor the well was worth saving. So he called up his neighbors, enlisted their help, said, hey, bring your shovels. We're going to bury this mule and put him out of his misery. So here this mule is at the bottom of the well, and all these neighbors and friends have gathered around, and they're helping this farmer. Let's just go ahead and just put this mule out of its misery. We'll bury it, and then we're not even using this well. So there they're shoveling dirt and throwing it down the well. And so when that first pile of dirt hit the mule, he went hysterical. He panicked. He thought, oh, no, I'm about to die until a thought hit him. Wait a second. When this dirt comes down this well and lands on my back, I'm just going to shake that step off, and I'm going to step up. I'm going to shake it off, and I'm going to step up. And sure enough, every pile of dirt that came down that well and hit that mule, he did the same thing. Shake it off, step up. Shake it off, step up. Surely, slowly but surely, he keeps rising until finally he triumphantly steps over the wall of that well. And what was meant to bury him actually blessed him. All because the way he handled the dirt. Can I tell you, the devil's trying to bury you. Some of you got dirt in your life. Some of you got some dirt in relationships. And the devil's trying to bury the God potential inside of you. But if you'll do just like that old mule did, if you'll just shake that stuff off, shake it off and step up, shake it off and step up, then you know what you'll find yourself? You'll be going to another level. Does that make sense? And I think that this is a powerful picture of how to navigate because the enemy will do everything within his power to divide you. He's trying to bury you. But I love the power of the local church when we make a decision not only to commit to God, Lord, I'm devoted to you, but we got to make a decision to commit to one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me in your life. Come on, now tell them, I need you too. 
You see, Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He prayed that the church would be unified. He said, Lord, may the world see the unity that we have, and may that unity be in the church. And when a watching world sees unity in the body of Christ, then it confirms the power of the gospel. Jesus didn't pray, Lord, give us bigger buildings. Lord, give us better music. Lord, give us lights and lasers and high-def screens. You know what he said? Lord, give us unity. And it's a responsibility that you and I have to make a commitment to each other. Somebody say, we is greater than me. We is greater than me. Watch this. Without community, you will always make it about yourself. Without community, our natural tendency is to make life about ourselves. You see, the church, they devoted themselves. The second thing I want you to see, number two, not only was it devotion, number two, it was about sharing. Everybody say sharing. Watch this in verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Notice how in this passage, four different times, it uses the word shared. I love that. They were sharing their possessions. They were sharing their money. They were sharing their time. They shared meals. They shared everything. You know the number one enemy to community? Selfishness. You know the number one enemy in a marriage is selfishness? Show me a couple that's getting selfish, and I'll show you a marriage in trouble. Relationships break down because selfishness rises up. Churches split apart because selfishness rises up. Marriages fall apart. Community suffers when people get selfish. And it's so easy to do. I mean, I want you to consider this. You know, in our solar system, the way that God designed our solar system was there was one thing called the sun. And every other planet and star would rotate, would revolve around the sun. The problem with selfishness is this. When a planet says, you know what? I'm tired of revolving around the sun. I want the world to revolve around me. And how many of you know that if every planet made a decision that it would become the center of the universe, we wouldn't have a solar system. We'd have a solar collision. And yet sometimes we, we drift into selfishness. It's easy to come to church for the right reasons, but then when you're there, you're not thinking about others. You're thinking only about yourself. Oh, it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Somebody whispered, I didn't know this church was Presbyterian. <laughs> it's not. I just said that. <laughs> it's getting quiet in here. It's hard to talk about selfishness, but it's very easy to fall into it. You know what? We can identify selfishness in others, but it's hard for us to see it in ourselves. Watch this. I remember about three years ago, and this, I thought about this story this morning. I had no intention of sharing this, but on the way to church, I thought about this. We did, on a Wednesday night, we had what's called a freedom night. And we kind of advertise it, say, hey, listen, if you know anybody that's in bondage to drugs or alcohol or sexual addictions or any life-controlling issues, come to church. We're going to pray and believe. We're going to have a powerful night believing that the Spirit of God is going to set people free. And so we came on a Wednesday, and it was, I mean, it was dynamic. The presence of God was so strong. And I remember preaching, you know, standing on this stage and preaching a message. And, man, we did extended worship, and we made an appeal for people to come forward. We shared testimonies of those who had been healed and delivered from past addictions. 
These altars were full. I mean, that service probably lasted, it lasted two hours. And it was one of those knockdown drag outs, you know, just you just getting sloppy in the presence of God. It was wonderful. And so the next day, it was Thursday, the next day, and I'm somewhere in the community, and I run into this lady, and she comes up to me. She says, oh, Pastor Mike, last night was absolutely amazing. Now, let me press pause for a second. Permission to speak honestly? Somebody say permission granted. Okay, when she said, last night the service was absolutely amazing, I was thinking that she was going to say something nice about how well the the sermon went. I was preparing for her to say, man, you just brought that word. You had that revelation. Oh, man, of God, you were bringing the heat. I, I kind of, I was expecting her to say that. Here's what she said. Oh, Pastor Mike, last night was so amazing. Oh, the spirit of God. I mean, I'm telling you, were you even there? I was like, Yeah, I was kind of there. I preached, stood on that stage and preached. She, she was so caught up in everything that God had done, she forgot. She didn't even know if I was there. And you know what God was reminding me? Mike, you are not the sun. You are not the center of the solar system. That is reserved for me and me alone. Everything revolves around me. God had to restore order in my own thinking. Can I have a good amen? And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I was there. Wasn't it awesome? She's like, oh, that's right, you preach. But let me tell you. And she's talking about freedom that she experienced and some of her friends. And I thought, you know what? That's the mark of a great church. When it's not about a personality. It's not even about what happens on this stage. But what people leave remembering is how God marked their life and how Jesus was lifted up. The Bible says, if we lift up Jesus, come on now, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, then there's something magnetic that happens. I start drawing people to myself, not to a man, not to a denomination or a personality, but I draw them to myself. Jesus is the center of the universe. The Bible says the disciples were able to share everything they had. How is that possible? How is it possible to share everything? Watch this. When you realize you own nothing, then it becomes easy to share everything. Can I have a better amen? You see, sometimes we forget the very source of every good and perfect thing that we have in our life. And if it's within our stewardship, we say mine. And God says, whoa, whoa, wait, time out. Didn't come from you. It came from me. And, and if I can get it through you, I'll give it to you. Oh, come on now, you're missing it. God's saying, if I can get it through you, I'll give it to you. Some of you are praying for a promotion. Some of you are praying for a financial increase. You're praying for a, a bonus, a pay raise. There's so, and God sees your financial situation, but he's saying, listen, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Because if God can't get it through us, he might not even get it to us. Remember years ago when the kids were small, I remember taking Alexa to Walmart. How many like Walmart? God, I love me some Walmart. Man, I told Rachel, when I die, bury me in the Walmart parking lot. Because I know she's going to come see her man every day. 
The girl loves it too. She loves Walmart. And so we're, I were at Walmart. This was years ago. The kids were so small. And I remember Alexa was with me. And you know those marketers at Walmart? I mean, they're, they're very smart. Because when you go through that checkout, they put candy right there at eye level with the kids. Do your kids want everything they see on that shelf? You're just trying to get out the store. Just get me out the store. And she sees some Skittles. And she's like, Daddy, can I have Skittles? Daddy, how about these Skittles? Daddy, Skittles are my favorite. And so she knew that meant that this big, strong hulk of a man. Um, I got this soft spot in my heart for my girl. And she knows she can get what she wants. So she broke me down. I bought her a pack of Skittles. We get in the car. We're headed home. I'm like, hey, Alexa, hook me up with a Skittle. She said, nope. What? Whoa, 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 time out. I'm asking for one Skittle. I can't just have a Skittle? She said, no, sir. I'm like, girl, who gave you the money to get those Skittles? She said, mama. <laughs> Baby, you got to know that mama's money comes from Big Papa right here. I'm sugar daddy. She's spending all my money. I bought those Skittles. She said, mine. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You ever had those moments where you just want to pull a car over? Let me explain something to you here, girl. I bought those Skittles. In fact, I got enough money, I could buy not just that pack of Skittles, I could have bought every piece of candy on that shelf, and I could rain Skittles on your little head. And all I asked for was one Skittle. And I wonder if God sometimes says, whoa, 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 wait a second. Why are you being so stingy with stuff? Didn't come from you. It came from me. And guess what? If you'll give what you have, there's more where that came from. You know, if we'll learn to release what's in our hand, God can rain down Skittles. God will release what's in his hand, and we will never experience lack. Can I have a better amen? Devotion. They devoted themselves to God. They devoted themselves to one another. They committed to sharing everything they had. It was shared among them so no one had any need. But then I want you to see this. Number three, write down this third word. Write down the word power. Everybody say power. Oh, man. I want you to hear this verse in verse 43. Ask the band to come up. I want you to see this. The Bible says, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. A deep sense of awe. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Watch this. Here's, here's a little take, a different take on this verse. A deep sense of awe came over them. What is that awe? Awe. That's so sweet. That's so nice. Awe. No, no, no. An overwhelming sense of wow came over them. What were they wowed about? You think, well, it's the apostles' miracles. No, no, no. There's a comma that separates these two independent thoughts. If you notice what was written in the previous verse, it talks about the devotion that the disciples had, not just to God, but to each other. And so they were wowed by this sense of community. Oh, and by the way, the disciples performed some miracles too. Notice how the awe was first and the miracles were second. You know, it's great to see miracles, but I want you to hear me. And, and you're like me, I believe that God does miracles. Many of you are here today and you need a miracle. But guess what? I'm not chasing miracles. I'm chasing Jesus. And if I chase Jesus, then anything that I need, he said he would supply. 
But I want you to see that the wow wasn't over the miracle. It was over their deep sense of community. They were devoted. They were sharing. They were in it for each other. Man, something special is happening among us. In fact, it's so special that God is adding to our numbers each and every day. You see, I, I, I wonder, in spite of the miracles, God will give you a miracle. But maybe the greater miracle is just getting along. I wrote this down. I wonder, would we see more miracles today if our commitment to get along were greater? The, the, the apostles performed many signs and wonders and miracles, but the, the wow factor was in the rich community that they shared. Oh, the day of Pentecost, everybody spoke in tongues. And, and I thank God for that. I thank God for the gift of speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues, I think it's wonderful. But you know what? I wonder... If the greatest evidence of being filled with the Spirit is not speaking in tongues, but controlling your tongue. Yes, that's good. Yes. I wonder if we were so full of the Spirit, because I know people who talk in tongues and then turn around and criticize and condemn and gossip and backbite. Listen, don't be speaking in tongues if you're going to use that tongue to tear another brother down. I wonder if being filled with the Spirit would allow us to harness some of the critical things that we say and would encourage us to fight for community, to forgive, to maintain it, to make a commitment where we get along. Uh, would we see more miracles in the church today if our commitment to walk in unity were greater? How many of you parents have wanted to give something to your kids, but you knew that if you gave it to this child, it would be mutiny with the other kids? I wonder if God says, hey, there's some great things that I want to do among you, but first, forget the event. You need to commit to the process of community. And then I'll pour out my spirit so that what is given in an event will be sustained throughout history. Does that make sense? They were devoted. They shared. They walked in power. And there was great joy. I think this is a picture of who God has called us to be as a church. You know, the, the, the final, if you fast forward to Revelation 21, the final picture that heaven gives us is of a city that's coming down out of heaven from the very throne of God. John said it this way. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone with it. I saw the new Jerusalem, the holy city coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her groom. And I heard a shout from the throne saying, look, God now lives among his people. He dwells among his people. He will be their God and they will be his people and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying and no more pain. All these things will be gone forever. Then he turned to me and he said, write these things down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Behold, I make all things new. I am the alpha, the omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. Do you see the picture of communion? and God out of heaven bringing it here on earth. I think the most irresistible aspect of church life is when you and I as brothers and sisters commit to God, commit to each other, and we walk together in this thing called community. Amen. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org 
or give us a call at 225-753-2273.